What are you anticipating seeing you know, amongst the New Zealand teams, given you've, you've given all that about the All Blacks? Oh, just so many good young players, mate. I don't know how you do it there. No, I do, because you've got three of the biggest uh, academies in the world. Fiji, Samara and Tonga. They're not bad. Oh, we were waiting for it. I was waiting for it. another drop kickoff podcast this week we're going to find out if we are positive or negative or hopeful or delusional as always i'm here with the hack with the facts nathan williamson and the writer who should be quieter nicholas vasiliev and the model who you should coddle me uh, we're going to talk about... Sorry, well, I'm not copying that. What the hell? Yeah, How did you get the bottle? No, I'm sorry. Nah, you, nah, what? Nice. You're the hacks with nah. the facts. I praised you, Nathan. I thought there'd be two verse one here, at least. <laughs> <laughs> you called me a hack to start with. That is... Yeah, yeah that's a, hacks is another the... name for a journo. Come on. Come on. <laughs> not, uh, yeah, not a good one. That was a back-end comment <laughs> right, right okay. there. I mean, like, uh, at least at least he kind of, like, gave you a second double entendre. He just said, Nick, shut up. In, <laughs> in, there, there, in the <laughs> All this talk anyway, about... Anyway, really let's in talk about the Bledisau. Nick, come on. Refer to my <laughs> intro. All right, let's talk about the Bledisau. Uh, talking about facts. Uh, Nathan, let's go straight to you. What are your facts? What, tell us about this game. I mean, first fact, as um, we kind of build on last episode, no yellow cards. Yay! Um, now the facts of this game. Goodness me. Um, the first half, unbelievable. You know, 17-3 lead. Uh, I think the first two times we entered their 22, we scored in the first, you know, so we had all of a sudden had a 14-0 lead inside eight minutes. And then, yeah, from there, they just... God, they just got got themselves back in the game by dominating our ruck. You know, it was one of those ones when we had clean ball and had were able to, you know, get them on the back foot and, you know, have people like your Tom Herpers, your Valentinis, those guys just take the ball over the advantage line. We were looking really well, and then yeah, they just kind of, they just got over top of our rucks. You know, I think we lost we lost six, I think, in the second half or something along the lines of that. And yeah, they just wrangled back momentum and. I think as, some, as someone put it, um, the Kiwis just have an ability to score quickly. We, it feels like for us, we've got to build a bit of pressure and build that kind of momentum before we earn the right to go wide and score. They've just got guys like, you know, your Sean Stevensons, your Fienhouse, who just produce something out of nothing and score. But it's, honestly, it's one of those ones, a game where it was there for taking and ultimately... It was just those kind of last-minute last, last minute clutch moments where they stepped up and we didn't. That, that was kind of the, the main factor of this game. Uh, there's a lot to unpack from this game. Um, and actually, yeah, Nick, uh, Nathan, you're bringing up a lot of things, like that bench coming off, us playing really well at the start. I remember 14-0. Um, but also, I guess, other parts. But with, It was a very strong bench from the ABs and perhaps their B team or 8.5 team that started this game, I guess. Nick, tell me about this narrative. What's what's your narrative out of here? Is it um, hopeful? Is it delusion? I mean, I don't think fans are Australian fans are kidding themselves anymore. I don't think I've ever seen um, fans or people or, that I know looking forward to this game or looking to this game with any sort of optimism or positivity. 
I think people are quite resigned now to the fact that uh, considering, I think the it, what's been interesting is the the whole discussion around Australian rugby has really been well. Look, you, you, we've had we've seen all the success that Eddie Jones has had overseas with Japan and England. He's coming here and he's struggling now, so it's clearly not the coaches. The, that whole narrative has been very interesting to watch. Um, so going into this game, I was like, well, if we're if we're kept on if they put fifty on us, I mean that was what I was expecting. So I mean, I guess. You can take something hopeful away from this because Nathan is correct. That first half was the best the Wallabies have looked in a long time, I'd say. Um, especially in New Zealand, there was just no... You could sense that there was no pressure. There was They, they just were like, well, if, if we're going to get flogged and seen as a $23 chance to, to one to win this... Uh, let's just go out and just play. Let's just go out and play. And that was very positive to see. Uh, and I, I think there is reason for optimism from that. Having said that, we were up by over two converted tries uh, for, for, some, for a decent portion of that game. We led for most of that game. And we still lost. And I don't think you should necessarily reward, uh, be, look at a loss and go, oh, yay! Things are, are coming good. We still lost. We are still none from four. Uh, and it goes back to a point we finished with with last week's podcast with what does success look like? What do we consider success? Because there's a high chance we're going into this World Cup none from five. So, uh, yeah, I, I say... So just on that, on that, Nick, let's just talk about that lost thing. Um, look, watching this game, I thought, yeah, we... we we played the best that we ever have. And I think we're the only team, of course, we've played them twice and no other team. I think South Africa's played them and Argentina's played them this year. But we were we were better than the All Blacks for probably about 70 minutes all up across those two games. Of course, the game goes for 80 minutes. But I thought it, we played a lot better than them. And we actually kind of, you know, especially with our second choice front row, we're playing a lot better than them. Um, and I think, you know, through little bits here and there, I remember, Nick, you said we got held up twice. Um, we could have been 28, was it 28-7 um, at halftime? It's like 28-3. 28-3. But we, we yeah. lost, uh, we lost both yeah, games, sorry. though. That's the thing. We lost both games. There's, there's a clear issue of pressure. I think um, the All Blacks just thrive on, on p- pulling the Wallabies under, pr- getting the Wallabies and making them capitulate under pressure. Um, and I think I worry that that's what a lot of teams are going to do, which is such a shame because when the Wallabies play to their own game, they looked really good. So I just, I am meh, I am middle, If you in answer to your question about the narrative. I mean, it's good to see that the it looks like the Wallabies themselves believe that they can produce a quality game plan. And that game plan does look very good when it's on form. Um, but I'm just, just just going to say, just a... I think you can have, you can be both. I think you can also you can be disappointed that we didn't win the game, but also walk away and say, you know what? As Nick Nick kind of alluded to towards the end there, that was the the first sign that it's all click started to click for Eddie Jones' side and what he wants us to play. You know, I was encouraged by the fact that after the game, Eddie was very blunt and was, you know, saying that this isn't good enough. We're yeah, we were good for 
you know, 40, 50 minutes of that game, in my opinion. But yeah, he said we couldn't hold up the standard that we want to play to. Yeah, and he's going to be demanding him better. He's going to demand him to keep getting better. And, you know, that's the attitude you need. That's the attitude that you have with him and I've said enough of Tate McDermott as captain as well. He he has the exact same kind of perspective of, oh, we played well, cool. We, we didn't win, so it's not good enough. And you just keep driving those standards. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's one of those ones. When you have three games where you come out and I think even they'll admit it was far from far from the standard expected of a Wallabies team to then produce all of a sudden produce something seemingly not out of nowhere but seemingly almost like a sudden 180 in that first 40 minutes you're naturally going to have people overreact and get sort of excited that you know leave a game like this with a bit more hope than realistically we probably should but yeah, I think it's, I think yeah, it's a positive step forward. But yes, th- there are still the same problems apply, such as being ab- unable to close out games. You know, we still conceded straight after second time. Oh, sorry, a- after the second half, still missed pretty straightforward penalties that could have made the game a lot more interesting. Turning down points at the wrong time, like there's still those same problems, but it felt like he used, Eddie uses a car analogy, and it felt like he. He fixed the engine, and he fixed the engine and steering. So you, you, the car's nearly there, but you still got problems with the wipers and the exhaust and the the back like seat's the, missing. The back seat's missing. Like the 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 mirrors are still glued down, but like the it felt like the big body items have been fixed in in this game. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. I th- actually that's probably just spot on there, Nathan. I thought, yeah. If, again, this is the part I struggle with. Is, I mean, my approach is that the performance was great, and winning is really a product of a good performance, um, or an outcome of a performance or improvement. And I think that the performance is there, and it just we just have to have that luck. I think Nathan, you talked about a few of those bad luck spots. I think, you know, let's say the two held up tries again. I think. Um, if I have one minor thing, it was just kind of we kept getting uh, scrum penalties for rolling it, and the All Blacks just happened to attack down the blind side every single time. Um, yeah, just little bits here and there. But I guess we'll kind of again. This is a, a, a you love this question, Nick. You love this topic. Um, so Eddie came out and said possession rugby's dead. Is what we saw on the weekend possession? Rugby? <laughs> uh, well, they definitely held the ball a lot more. It's uh, I did kind of have a bit of a laugh at that. Um, I think when when we looked at the possession numbers and saw how much more ball, but also I was just more impressed with the kicking. I don't think I think the idea of possession rugby is dead. I mean, I don't. Th- I think there is still something to it, but I think the key point is is that. Possession rugby is dead if your team doesn't know what to do with the ball. Um, and it doesn't know what to do with, if they have ball in hand, how to execute it. Execute it. Now, for the Wallabies, the big thing that was that, yes, they had a bit more ball, a more in line with kind of a standard game that we've seen from previous uh, iterations of the Wallabies. 
But the key thing was that they were much clearer on exactly how they wanted to execute it. And also, coupled with the fact that they had a much improved kicking game, um, you know, especially while Carter Gordon was on, who, I, by the way, I thought had a very strong game, um, I think it's, it, there's more of a sense of, and I think, I think possession rugby, yes, it can be dead, but it's more to the point of possession rugby is dead for those who don't know what to do with it. I think the Wallabies get a sense now that they know what to actually do when they have ball in hand. Now it's a matter of just executing it better and better. Let's, um, speaking of better, better, let's talk about the players just quickly. Um, and I guess we can just go from front to back. So uh, front row, Nathan, I'm also throw open to you here. Front row, um, I guess, actually, A, so what's the, the prognosis? I don't know if that's the right word. On the, the front rowers who are injured and whatnot. Um, and I guess, yeah, how, how, did you, how did you find them? Let's talk. Okay, so start with your first question. Prognosis, Tani Tupo is ribs. Um, I believe it's like a rib cartilage or a, um, something along the lines of that. It's, I don't think it's anything major. Like, you don't travel to New Zealand for three hours and if you think that you it's broken ribs or something like that. So I think he'll be fine for a World Cup. It's just a, I think it's a pain tolerance thing. In terms of how the front row did, pretty positive from your starters. Um, I think it's probably the best game I've seen out of in a long time. Um, Angus yeah, Bell. Yeah, Angus Bell, second that. He's just... If you're talking about a, a best player from this Bledisloe series, it's Angus Bell. He's just... He's, again, consistently dominant. And I think it's his break that kind of sets up the second try when he puts... I mean, he, he, I can't remember who he combined with. I think he combined with either Kellaway or Marky Mark and either one put the other through a hole or vice versa. Great. Um, Fesler off the bench, solid. Like, he, he outside of a line-out, and he's someone we've been calling for for a while, but, and this yeah. is why. Yeah. He, is, he, he just does his job. He makes throws. He, you know, scrums solidly. made a couple of good tackles. Um, yeah, I just thought the only kind of negative was... Yeah, the scrum towards the last 20 minutes when Nongor came on, he's, he's still still someone trying to find that test level and how to kind of test himself against when you're going up against the best in the world. And ultimately, that's where, you, you know, you reference those couple of penalties came back to hurt, um, hurt us. But if we get Taniello back, Taniello backfiring, that's a, that's a really underrated one-two punch that you can have him and Pone gone for 80 minutes, we just have these absolute bulldozer rhinoceroses that can come on and just absolutely turn a game. Or, you know, take take the ball over the, the advantage line when you need it. Does make yeah. you realize does make you realise actually how good the depth... It surprised me how decent our depth in in the front row is starting to get. Because you often think about your, your Taniela Tupos and your Slippers and your Toas. Um, and... But, yeah, like, I mean, the, considering it feels like a cursed position right now, just people dropping left, right, and centre, um, yeah, I think I've been really impressed, really impressed with the front row and the props. We consider um, this Sam Talca as well, um, Matt Gibbons out of the squad. Well, there's there's depth in behind as well if we have other injuries as well. Um, so let's just move on to the locks. Uh, probably nothing to speak about. I think Nick Frost, Richie Arnold, Skelton all had great games. Um, back row, I guess Tom Hooper, Nathan, you mentioned him before. Yeah, um, unreal. The way he yeah, really amazing. just, 
this is the, I think he got through 18 or tackles as well with a bunch of great carries over the over the Vantage line. Um, I think this was Fraser's best game in terms of breakdown wise. We kind of talked about his how teams have looked to kind of nullify his effectiveness a um, part or two ago, but he showed he showed it why he's one of the best over the ball I reckon in the world and just the way he's able to latch on and just get you a quick penalty. And yeah, Bobby Bobby V's Bobby V. Just <laughs> so consistent and so incredible. Yeah, yeah, he had a great game. Rob Leota, um, actually, Nathan, probably get your inside scoop on this. Rob Leota, how's he looking? Because he yeah. hasn't played, let's say, famously, didn't play a Super Rugby game because he was out with injury. Didn't play a Super Rugby game, but didn't, I didn't think really put a foot wrong. Like, he's, he's a valuable member to sort of bring on in that situation, you know, for like a 20-minute stint where, you know, a bigger body that can cover anywhere in the back row and second row and... And not not someone you kind of look at and say, all right, he was the reason why that game shifted in the last quarter. Um, so, Nick, you love a good narrative, and you get no more narratives out of the halves. So let's talk about the halves. Talk to me. Would you, um, I guess, how do you think Tate went? How do you think Carlo went? And how good is it that at least you can have Nick White and Quade Cooper come on? Okay, so in the context of this game, um, it definitely was interesting. The contrast was really interesting between these two halves. I first of all think it's great that we just have the, the idea of these half combinations um, is really, it's good that we've got, we're starting to have more options here. And again, I, I'm really impressed with Carter Gordon. I think, um, again, there, there were one, a far one or two moments. He's really getting go forward well. He looks like he's, he's giving himself a lot of space. He's getting involved in work. Um, the, the, the kid's hungry. The kid is really hungry. And he's got the makings of, of just a great... I just love his maturity for his age as well. Uh, there's a lot to like um, him. And I think uh, despite Tate having a bad, a pretty rough game uh, in Melbourne, uh, he more than made up for it here. I think captaincy suits Tate pretty well. I won't lie. He, I thought he looked... I thought he did pretty well. There's a... A good, uh, there was just a, a, a good sense of, of, of aggression there. He, he combined with, I thought he combined with, with Carter really strongly. Um, there was a good, he, there was a combination of also letting more maturity and kind of, I uh, wouldn't necessarily say restraint because there were many, many plenty of moments where he did his uh, trademark pick, up, pick and go off the, off the, the ruck uh, that looked at, that's proven very, very effective. There's, there's a lot to like in that halves combination and the makings of something really strong there. I don't think White and Quade Cooper had a had as good a game when they came on. I won't lie. I think that maybe it was the fact that uh, we tried to go back to uh, to tactical kicking with the box kick, uh, and also I think Quade he had a couple of shocking moments. It wasn't it wasn't terrible. It's I not thought, the worst. I thought Quade game. had one shocking moment, which was dropping that ball. Mm, he wasn't. He wasn't. I, I thought Quade was. Quite all right. Yeah, look, he got he that fifty meter penalty. It wasn't bad, but I think it it, it it just he he did play. I think he played okay, but it was just he was coming up against Mwanga, who also had just come on a few minutes beforehand, and just it was clear that Mwanga had just found his feet quicker than Quaid was able to. That wasn't to say Quaid was bad or White was bad. It was just there was a clear change in in tempo at that point. From when before White, I, 
before you come in, Nathan, I Nick, I'm just fact checking you. Richie Moonga came on fifteen minutes before Quaid. Mm. Which is interesting because I think the and is think they should have come on earlier. Quaid. Yeah, uh, and Nick. Nick White they came on at the same time. They did come on at the same time. Well, I think there was there was a notable change in between when when Moanga came on and the uptake in uptick in New Zealand and then when Quaid came on, I think it was a case of it was a case of a momentum call and maybe it might have been a good idea to bring Quaid on slightly earlier. But then again, of course, we're saying this all in retrospect uh, to to what happened. You, at, at the time, you, you, of course, you want to try and make sure that Carter uh, is having a chance to uh, get a full game out of him and, and deliver that performance. But maybe in retrospect, it was a case of maybe we should have brought Quaid on a little earlier to just give him a bit more of a chance to settle into the game and try and wrestle that momentum, have it, give him a bit more time to wrestle that momentum away from Richie, but, you know, such is the nature of rugby. Thoughts, Nathan? Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, firstly, Tate and Carter were excellent, I thought. Um, maybe outside of Carter's kicking, I think that's still, and from the tee, I think that's still an improvement um, they need to sort of keep working on. Um, and Tate as well, you know, people will talk, talk about his decision to, um, that, that kind of held up call um, before the halftime break when, like, Artie gets underneath him. But if he scores in that moment, we're up 24-3 at the break or 22-3 at the break, and all of a sudden it's a completely different game. Like, that's a... For me, that's, that's a move you make nine times out of ten. Just Artie pulled off the tackle. One, that stops him one, one time out of ten. Um, in saying that, yeah. Yeah, and Artie wasn't even really near the ball. It just was there for him. It was just perfect. It was just kind of yeah. a, just the, the perfect situation. So I won't fault Tate for that. But yeah, as for Quaid and Nick White, yeah, it, it, the thing is if you bring halves on at that point of the game, you kind of want them, you kind of, their job's there to try and close out a game. You know, th- there's your experience. There's your, you know, there's always more experience in those two than what our starting 15 had. So ultimately they're going to be, char- they're going to be judged on whether they did it or not. And you can kind of tell this offense is just starting to build around that that up tempo style that Tate and Nick, uh, sorry Tate and um, Carter bring. So I think it's all just about kind of adjusting and being able to kind of play that clinical style when when Quaid and Nick come on. But I, I don't get me wrong, I wouldn't I wouldn't change. It's one of those things I wouldn't change it heading forward. I think being able to have those two guys come off the bench is going to be so crucial for a World Cup. And I'll make the call right now. They might not have got the job done. In terms of closing the game out, when you look at sort of Quaid's knock-on that leads to the to the scrum that they get a penalty from, and also win the game. But I think those combo that combo does something during this World Cup to close out a game where we're going to be sitting there going, "Oh, thank goodness we had um, Nick and Quaid to come off the bench and get the job done." So yeah, I've, it's one of those interesting dynamics which I think needs to keep being explored heading forward. Yeah, totally. Um, great point there, Nathan. I think just to add to what we've said, that was a great point made by, I think it was Paul Cullen in Morning Herald, um, and he was pretty much like, Carter Gordon, we don't know how good he is in high-pressure games because Rebels haven't made the finals. Um, so I think he's he's been great, and it's great to see that he is actually kind of really added to the team instead of just buckling at the knees. Um, and speaking of buckling at the knees, let's talk about the back. Five, 
So the centers, I thought they all had pretty good games. Jordan Pataya's bit of a still a bit of a liability in defense, but I don't know any any thoughts. I, do we kind of miss Len Nicotel there or uh, Parisi? I think we miss Len there. Len's just such a he's the defensive captain of that of that back line. So not having him, it's obviously going to be. And we we have um, Bataille who hasn't played a lot of back um, a lot of thirteen in the past sort of eighteen months. Like that's naturally going to happen. Um, Samo thought it was one of his better passing games as well. But a couple of people say yeah. I tend to agree with. Um, fingers crossed the the hands not too long. So he's apparently went for surgery either yesterday or the day beforehand, um, or was at least scheduled to for a broken hand. So. That's luckily that's only a kind of a three to four week injury, so he should be back in time for the um, that opening game. But yeah, and and in terms of back three, they look promising. They you know they you know Andrew Kelly looks so solid at the back. Like mm. under a high ball, you feel calm, you feel relaxed. Um, <laughs> yeah, which we, we have. Which, honestly, we haven't been able to say about fullbacks in the past, which is a great great plus mark for him. And then Marky Mariki just keep looking for work and keep kind of popping up at the perfect moment just to break and break the fences open. So it was all in all a pretty solid outing. Yeah, crazy that um, with this back three was apparent to everyone, but somehow eluded our coaches for a while. But now we've got, you know, Kelloway, Marky Mark and Marika Carvin. Um, yeah, sorry, Nathan? No, I was just, just going to say... And, um, you're not going to say much of Parisi off the bench, but I, I would like to see him get a chance at that. If depending on how Lenny Cattell goes, I would like to see him get a chance um, at 13 so for that warm up game against France. So Lenny Cattell is a broken scapula. So right. again, one of those ones should be right, but um, maybe missing the first game. We just don't know in terms of the recovery time of that. Right. Okay. Um, thanks for that, Nathan. So the France game, sorry, is in. Three weeks time. Yeah, three. I think just about three weeks time. Maybe I think it's two. Yeah, two and a half weeks exactly. And that's the final game they'll play before um, for the first game against Georgia on September ninth slash ten, whatever time zone you're in. Right. Yes. So twenty seventh of August is France versus Australia, and then ninth of yeah, 9th of September. September. So, yeah, a week. A week. Oh, two weeks break? Two and a bit weeks, yeah. Yeah, two weeks between that and the first game of the World Cup. Um, kind of crazy to think that we've come so far in four weeks under Eddie. Five weeks. Six weeks. Whatever. How many weeks? Nick, speaking of weeks. Speaking World of Cup w- squad. Mm-hmm. Talk to me. Who, who would you have? I guess we'd have all the usual... Suspects. I assume everyone who played in this game will be picked for the World Cup squad. Um, who else do you think of Nick? You'd certainly hope so because of the considering where we are and the different utilities and combinations that the that Eddie has been tinkering with. That hopefully he'll have as a, a final resemblance on uh, on a final clear sense of exactly how uh, the squad is going to going to look. I will. I will say. I think a lot of players are, are looking are looking set to go. Obviously, part, pending uh, a lot of injuries, you'd expect to see the likes of folks like Taniela Tupo going in, um, like Lenny Kitao going in. 
into that squad. I, I do think that uh, Geordie Pattaya did show himself to, even though, of course, it, it wasn't quite the same as Len, but then again, it's hard to, to pick up Len, uh, that I think he did show himself uh, to have earned that spot. There is some question marks, though. Um, Pete Samu was dropped from that Bledisloe Cup squad, and uh, obviously he'd be kind of, you'd assume that, that there'd be some significant questions about if, if he'll make it. And then, of course, like, considering how competitive that six, seven, eight loose, uh, loose forwards combination is, dare we ask the question about Michael Hooper? Because Tom Hooper had a great game. Lungy Gleeson is in great form. Fraser McRide is a fantastic player. And no one's unseating Bob Valentini from number eight. Uh, considering that, you know, Hooper hasn't been on the best form of his career. He's not been terrible, but he's not been as good as previous years gone by. Dare we ask the question of if he makes the squad? Blasphemy. 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 Yeah, he's oh, the first he's making it. One question. One who, name, who would his you name is Holloway. Hmm? Holloway. Would you kick out Holloway? No, you didn't name him. I'm just throwing his name in the hat as well. Because you're right. Oh. Everything you said is right. There's a lot of people on form. Mm. You, you, need, you need four locks. And, I mean, Skelton's definitely going in and Frost is definitely going in. And Arnold, uh, judging from, those mo- from the moments on, on, on the weekend, I think I could say there was enough there for me to suggest that he's going in. Then, really, that leaves you with the next best option. And I'm sure as hell ain't putting Darcy Swain anywhere near the squad right now. I think Holloway is probably the best <laughs> option uh, for the locks, for the lock combination. Um, and and he did play his best rugby for the Waratahs when he was a lock. <laughs> <laughs> but you you do have, I mean, like you've got, there's, I think there is a lot, Eddie would be pretty close on a squad. Um, as long as they keep, they, they keep those numbers clear. I mean, I personally think that, and we'll get to this later, but seeing New Zealand pick 13 backs made me go, what? As long as we don't do something crazy what, like so that. 18 forwards and 13 backs. No, it'd be 20... Wait, is it 31? It's 33. 33-man 33. squad. He picked, he picked 20 forwards and 13 backs. As long as he something like that, I reckon... <laughs> a question. You say I, this now. Yeah, I know you say this now. I know this is going to, like... This might age terribly come Thursday, but hang, you've already called me blasphemy. Nick's already told me to shut up. Hang me on the pyre. It's fine. <laughs> I didn't say this. <laughs> shut up. I just didn't be quieter. What what I was going to say is if you count Donaldson and Peach as utilities in this squad currently for the Let Us Like Cup, there was 13 backs named. Yes, that is true. So realistically, in terms of the squad, the way I look at it is he named the 34-player squad for the Let Us Like series. In that, I don't believe included um, Michael Hooper, who was in the rehab group. So, I, I, it, it's, in all seriousness, that, that is a legitimate question that we do, you do have to ask. Is and he, Pupo at the Waratahs in the season awards last night said he is desperately trying to get that calf ready, and you know seemed seemed very keen to kind of go out on an absolute bang in, at this World Cup. So, in saying that, you then need to look at the squad and say, all right, if he's included, and Glenn Nickertow's included, you're dropping three. Who do you? Who do you drop? Well, I'm sorry. Alatar is, is one that goes just because of the, the, the na- nature's injury. 
Dewdrops, yeah, Vinna Valor, another option. And then you kind of, but Eddie seems to like him a lot. You then look at, all right, who make, does, do you pick Donaldson, Peach, or both? Who do you go with? In terms of, if you look at the, if you look at the, I'll, I'll throw a question back to you guys. If you look at the 35 player squad that's been named now, um, potential for say you could throw Zane Nongor or and Lenny Guitar back in there if you if you choose. So that's thirty seven. Who are the four you leave out? Hmm. Because that's realistically what what this is going to come down to. So. Okay, interesting. Sorry, I just said the the hookers. I was just looking at the hookers first, and it's Fairslab, Parecki, and Ulysses. Which I, I already kind of knew, but I'm just surprised that Fianga isn't there. No, he's apparently he's, he's ineligible because he's gone overseas, hasn't he? No, he's still eligible. So you're still contracted. You're still considered an Australian player, and like if you sign with a Super Rugby club, you're still eligible for the World Cup as one. So he's been apparently. So Ulysses dealing with a bit of a knee injury. So Fanga is, I think, joined the camp or joined. The, the mini group that might be training in Sydney at the moment. I don't know how it works, but as like an injury cover for him. So he's still definitely in the framework. Mm. Right. Okay. Um, so I'll, sorry, I'll throw, sorry. while you guys look over it, I'll throw my three or four out there. If you're getting rid of it, Dylan Peach probably has to be one. I, I know he, he's very versatile. He can cover back row, he can cover the wing, but the fact he hasn't been capped at this point tells me that he's probably going to be one of those guys that, ends up missing out. If it was up to me, I'd probably get rid of Suli as well. I think you're looking at it being between Suli and Ben Donaldson for just one of those final spots. And you get a lot more versatility out of a Ben Donaldson being able to play 10, 15. I'm sure if you have to, you can play 12 as well. But, and it's just that, and then you look at that final spot and you're just trying to think who could actually, and if I had to pick someone, a bold choice, it'd be honestly at this point, probably Matt Phillip. I think you can go in short of a lock if you carry Jed Holloway and Tom Hooper. Yeah. I, I, one thing on this, Nathan, so it's not getting rid of anyone, but I would swap um, Reese Hodge for Ben Donaldson. Mm. I, I think most people would as well, but ultimately you, you kind of got to go off what Eddie's chosen for this Spurs Slow Series. And in true Eddie yeah. style, he could have got rid of Samu and Hodge just as you know, in the basket of their known quantities, we know what to expect from them. We're not, so they're going to the World Cup. We don't need to worry about them playing, playing a butter flow. Let's, let's get people into a squad, which we want to see how they deal with training life. Yeah. And, you know, as those kind of, those players, maybe 29 to 33. So there is that uh, uh, sort of added element to it. But if we're kind of make it as basic as possible, that's why I kind of went with this. Trying to look at it as, mm-hmm. all right, so who gets trimmed from this squad? Other than that, it might be like Rob Liotta. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Rob Liotta. All the way. Yeah. Not just because of the depth that we have in the out um in in the back row, but I think Holloway's just done more. I think it, you try, running the risk of, of kind of going down. I reckon you need four locks, and I think uh, Holloway has done enough to secure his posi- his own position there. And right now, I question if Liotta has. I, I, on the Holloway thing, and I've said this before, I've said this before, but he was in the leadership group, so I don't see Eddie dropping him. 
Yeah, good Sorry. question. It's a pretty strong squad. Uh, a bit, let's talk about Ryan Lonigan. Um, he's still uncapped, and he's the third choice from half at the moment. Mm. Um, I think you need you need the three you need three scrum halves. Yeah, like we don't, we don't have, Sorry, that's what I meant. Uh, right, third scrum. Right, taking the yep. third scrum half. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. When you consider as well, now Jake Gordon's dealing with a concussion. Apparently, that's why his Toulon deal got um got axed. He's the next best option. Right. Right. And yeah, as I said, it's not like back in the day when you had someone like Macchio who can play could play nine and you could get away with picking two scrum halves. You, you need a third one for just in case someone goes down and London's the best option. Yeah, and like the only other real option outside of that is uh, guys that are probably still way too green, like, you know, someone like Isaac Fines Lili Awasa um, after Lonigan. So I'd stick with, I'd stick with Lonigan uh, and have him in there as the third option. Um, yeah, and we keep Nick White because we're not insane, unlike no. some internet articles we might have read today. <laughs> He's, um, Nick White's a must. Just for the mower alone. Okay. The mower alone um, is selected. Another one, just quickly, um, Fichetti. Fichetti's another one, yeah. it's You, you look at the squad and you I, see well, who could get trimmed if Ikatao gets back, and it could be one of the centres. Hmm. The question is, if if you don't have for Keddy and you have Samu coming back from a broken hand, who plays twelve? You probably well. I'm assuming you'd have. That was where you'd go That's back. That's where to you'd have Hodge. Or Hodge. That's where you'd have Hodge, right? Potentially, but why would you? But again, why would you get rid of for Keddy if you already? If it's clear, if just going off this squad, it's clear that for Keddy's probably going to be a twelve. He's favoured at 12 over Hodge, even though Hodge... Yes, I know Hodge started that first game, but I think you still take him. I think he's he showed enough of that um, that spring tour last year, which says that if you need someone for that first game starting, I, I think Fikhetti's going to be a better option than Hodge. So that, I think that gets him... For mm-hmm. me personally, that gets him on the plane over him. Yeah, I, it's, I guess it's just with the World Cup squad, it's that versatility. Because I even just like to think about four backs, right? So if Callaway, God forbid, got injured, um, would you have Marky Mark maybe? Pataya? Who would you Marky, fullback? Marky, Pataya, Ben, ben Donaldson. Well, Ben Ben Donaldson's liked by Eddie. Eddie and Eddie said he's been, been training very well at 10 and 15. So that kind of gives it away that he sees him as what, that dual option. So I think I think mm-hmm. the world is got, even as it is right now, I think the underrated bit of it is just how versatile it is. 10 might be probably mm. the lone position where you can't cover with no Hodge, but you've got several guys that can kind of slot into the centres. Even Kellaway has experience at 13 as well as both wings. Like, you know, you've got a couple of those players that can play multiple positions. And you, you look at that second row and back row as well, and there's a lot of interchangeability, which is why there's also a big point in Rob Liotta's books as well, getting back on that, and probably why he's been selected on the bench the last three games as well. So... I think, I think, the versatile, yeah. I think we, we don't need to be looking at people and being, oh, let's get versatile. Let's make sure we have, you know, every player can, can cover every position. Like, we can allow a couple of specialists in there with the, with the make-up the squad as it is, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's just that in terms of that back row, you know, if you are going to take people like Vinny Bali. Yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, absolutely. 
a final just quick question. So would you probably how much do you reckon you would take in this thirty three man squad? Yeah, that's another interesting question. Um we've got seven at the moment, including seven A's. Seven including seven A's. Yeah, I don't Yeah. Our top, Bell, Pone, Nongo, Shoop, Slipper, Tupo. Well, I think they've named... I'm just I'm just trying to go off what the All Blacks have named in sort of their squad in terms of just to try and get a really break, real breakdown of it. And they named, they named six. Yeah, I, I'd go for six. I would go for six because you need... Um, having a, a triple depth of, uh, of, this, of props in, uh, in both tie head and loose head or even a, versat- a more versatile option would be, I think, your best bet going forward because you also don't want too much imbalance within the squad. And which means that, you know, as it currently stands, it's purely on injury alone, 7As has to, draw, has to be dropped. But also the question around Zane Nonga, if we actually think, um, if we think he's actually, if he's done enough to earn his position. See, I think you can get away with five if you have enough versatility. Like, if, again, ifs and buts, yada, 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 you know, Tom Robinson is still fit, I think you can get away with five. I think Blake Shop's an interesting one there. Is if you want to, I think Shop can play both loose head and tight head, and maybe a bit of hooker as well from memory. Um, <laughs> like his, uh, uh, that might be Van Neek, sorry, but I know I know Shop can play tight head and loose head, which if you, you're all of a sudden looking for an extra spot, maybe in the back three or in the back row, that could be somewhere where you just kind of um, cut down a little bit. But yeah, I think. I think, yeah, if you go into a World Cup like this, yeah, be probably, it's probably the most sensible option is to pick six props, as you said, Nick. And I'm Zane Nongoa as a third option. And as long as he is that third option, I think it's fine. If, if you're relying on him to play solid minutes throughout, I think you'd almost prefer a Sam Talakai, but that's not just not going to happen. Given um, how... So... I was going to say, given how Zane got flown over and not Sam. So, a question about World Cup. If if Alatoa got injured um, like he has during the World Cup, you can replace him, right? Yes. I, I believe it's the rule is you can replace him, but they can't come back. So, that, and so, so yeah, say right, okay. if it was like a four to six week injury, like you would replace him and then you can just, I think you can bring someone back. I think hence why there's going to be a lot of like Australia Ray games going on at the same time and Barbarians fixtures, which can be heavily Australian influenced. So if there is an injury, you just pull someone straight from there. That's why um, okay. it's why the Women's World Cup last year. I think Shannon Parry broke a foot and they were so, so in any other situation, she would have been out. But they were like, nah, we need to keep her. We can't, we can't rule her out. Otherwise, she's going to be gone and we, she's going to be out of the group. So I think, yeah, it's one of those ones. You can replace it. I think the only way you can't see if it's suspension. Then you then you're stuffed. Right. Yeah, that would make sense. Because yeah, it's just a bit of a joke. Otherwise, like, what's the point of naming a squad anyway? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Thanks for that, Nate. Um, and when does the squad come out? Thursday. Thursday. So it should be live on Stan Sport and Wallaby Socials. So watch. Uh, what what time do you know? I think it's around six thirty-seven. I think somewhere around there. I think it's still okay. a bit TBC, but um, yeah, it should be. They're, camp, they're going up to camp in Darwin, so it won't be 
won't be that much of a secret, but yeah, I think Darwin. it's like in Darwin, yeah, going back to the good old 2003 days. Yeah, Jesus. Um, okay, all right, thank <laughs> Oh my God. Okay, moving on, um, just to wrap up, um, there were a couple of warm-up matches around the world. Of course, there was uh, the Rugby Championship extras, so we played New Zealand and South Africa played Argentina and Argentina, but there were a few other games going on um, and interesting implications into the world of rugby. Um, Nick, I guess let's start with you. Did you any, or are there any kind of um, results that um, jump out to you that happened over the weekend? I think it's fair to say that uh, there were a lot of these warm-ups are really interesting. They're really, really interesting just to kind of see where all teams are sitting. There's some interesting uh, calls, wins that were were had, particularly Scotland prevailing over France and also Wales looking, putting together a very strong performance over England um, that were of particular note, um, just in terms of the contrast of considering everyone's been talking about how Group C is the pool of sick, uh, the sickness, and yet Wales actually looked kind of all right. They looked okay um, against against the likes of uh, against the likes of, of the English. But I mean, it's hard not to go past how good the Pacific Island nations are looking. You can't. the The Pacific Cup was been such a great joy to watch this year, um, and just because of how good those sides are looking, and I think it's fair to say that. I reckon we, we kind of we talked about it last week, but I genuinely see a Pacific Nations side making the quarterfinals. Um, I genuinely see it happening this this year. And I mean, for me, I think Fiji are probably the standouts. They look really, really good. Um, they've looked like you can tell, you can see how much the Drua um, in Super Rugby is having an impact on that side and how good they are looking. Um, but also, I wouldn't I wouldn't also discount Samoa either. I think. Um, I reckon they're all looking really, really solid. So, yeah, locked, for me, all of the excitement is is seeing what those Pacific nations, but specifically Fiji and Samoa, what they get up to. I was going to say, if Paul sees the group is sick, sick, Paul D is the group of nausea because, Jesus, there are some results in that, guy, in that group. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Far that, out. So, so let's slow down. Let's slow down. So Australia's in Pool C with uh, Wales, Fiji, Georgia, and Portugal. Um, so... Fiji beat Japan in Japan. Um, Japan are in this pool of nausea that Nathan just said in Pool D. Um, so 35 to 12, pretty big. Um, Japan is limping into the World Cup. Um, we obviously, you know, lost to New Zealand, but we've got the moral victory. In fact, it doesn't count, similar to the previous Ashes. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't count. We're looking good. Um, but, yeah, so England lost to Wales. Um, uh, I don't know, Nathan, did you get a chance to watch this game? I uh, watched, watched the back on Stan. Um, yeah, it was a very poor England side. I think they'll even admit that. They were they were really poor. <laughs> so many errors. Uh, I think they entered Wales' tw- um, 22 12 times and scored once. Maybe a well, Not even at all, actually. I think it was all penalty goals. No, they didn't. Just, just, yeah, just penalty goals. Yeah, just all penalty goals. And, yeah, they they didn't look good. Uh, and Wales, Wales did what they had to do, but... Yeah, a lot of it, a lot of the to the chat afterwards was yeah, this just wasn't wasn't England's night. So, so England and Wales are playing again this coming week. So this weekend, so that'll be interesting to see how that turns out. 
Um, yes, Nathan? I was going to say, what is going to be interesting is um, kind of Nick touches on the Pacific Island and the rise of those teams. I, I also I agree with his, his statement that there will be a quarterfinal appearance from at least one of them. You've got in the next, the, not in the next two weeks, but sort of leading up to the World Cup, you've got you know, the likes of Fiji playing France and England. Um, and Tonga will play Canada, I believe, on Thursday. And before they kind yeah, of keep yeah. ramping up their their campaign before they play Ireland in, in that opening game. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see, firstly, how Fiji tests themselves. and Because I, I think you only get so much out of facing a similar style of rugby and getting up for those nations, getting up for those games on home soil, as opposed to or getting up for it when you know there's something online like a Pacific Nations Cup, as opposed to going over to England or France and testing yourself. So if... Um, if like England and Japan keep struggling, there's a real opportunity for one of those nations to go out and absolutely make a make a statement this year. Um, it's just it's just yeah. set up really perfectly. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. So again, a lot to unpack there. So um, Samoa's so in the same group as Japan, England, and Argentina. Uh, England's playing like crap. Japan's playing like crap. They're the top two seeds, and below them, Argentina, who playing pretty well. They lost to um, South Africa on the weekend, so they came pretty close when they played South Africa the week before. But they lost third into twenty four at home, which is not great. Um, but I'm not sure how how what the team looked like from there. But they're gonna go into this group, and it'll be pretty interesting. I think probably Samoa have got a chance. Um, otherwise, it's Fiji in our group. Um, but, you know, it would be quite tough to get out of as well. Um, also on the weekend, Scotland played France. Scotland beat France. I think it was a fairly rotated French team, 25 to 21. It was a B French side at, bench, at best, and even still Scotland had to kind of come back from 21-3 down with what was close to their full squad. Like, the year, yeah. one of those ones, which is just... If if this if the French team put it this way, it was still like a still a French team full of quality, but if Scotland got beat by this French team, there would have been concerns. Yeah, yeah, and and, and it's kind of weird and incestuous that the Six Nation play Six Nations teams are just playing each other before a World Cup because um, Ireland also played Italy, which I don't know I don't know why they'll well, be Italy playing them. I mean, they'll, they'll be they'll be doing a couple of games against you know, against us a little later and doing a couple more prep games and things like that. I mean, let's... Uh, who else are they going to play? Yeah, I mean, yeah, who else are they going to play? I mean, Georgia? makes sense to play the neighbors next door. Japan, Fiji. They're, Japan, Fiji are playing in their own... You have Japan, Fiji playing in their own cup, um, along with Samara and Tonga. You have us playing in Bledisloe. Um, are they? Again? They, no, but like this week. Oh, sorry, last week. Like this week is right, when you start, right. you're going to start getting... Those teams head over, and you get the last ones of you. You know, England playing Wales and France playing Scotland. But you know, you'll start you'll start seeing those Pacific Island teams kind of come out, and you'll see those a bit more branching out in terms of friendly wise. Like I think, yeah, yeah. Ireland have got Samoa on the on August twenty seventh. So you're going to start getting those. Just but it'll just be right before Good. the World Cup, so you can so you can Good. start. That's I, what I and I guess for those nations, it makes sense as well. They, you know, you do those friendlies later in the, the World Cup build-up, so they just stay over there. 
Um, George also plays will play Romania next time. Sorry, Nick. Yeah, you beat me to it. I was about to say, I was going to say for, for one final one to keep a watch on is let's talk about Georgia, um, which you were just, which I just stole your thunder from there. But, uh, you know, apparently I talk too much. So, uh, but, <laughs> uh, but I reckon that will be one that I think a lot of Australian fans shall watch, not just because they're playing Romania, uh, who have also been looking pretty solid, but then they've also got uh, a following a game against the USA uh, the following week. Keep a very close watch on Georgia because we'll be coming up against them. I believe they're our first game of the World Cup. And... Um, God, their scrum looks good. They look good. <laughs> Georgia look really, really good. Um, yeah, they're underrated. They've got such good under-20s coming through as well. Nina Nashvili and all those guys are really sort of looking at looking to be a golden generation for them. So it's going to be so exciting to see their development in the next couple of years. Just saying, if you make the Six Nations the Seven Nations, would not complain. Make the eight if the, if the South Africans want to go over there. That'd be awesome. <laughs> True. So, uh, sorry, I'm just looking at these fixtures for next week. Um, so, yeah, Tonga's playing Canada, like we mentioned. Um, Portugal playing USA. <laughs> and then it just gets weirder and weirder as you go on. So, um, France is going to play Fiji in two weeks' time. Italy's going to play Romania, which is cool. This is cool. This is what I'm here for. Uh, Romania's not playing in the World Cup because uh, I think Georgia and Portugal... No, Romania, right? maybe? No, Romania, Romania got... You got it the other way around. Um, I think the Spanish were the ones that were going to uh, yes. get in, and then Romania got in because um, they got they got found to have an ineligible people, and Romania got their spot. Because the USA are the yeah. ones that are now going on like a a revenge right, tour. That's after right. those Romania are playing. Yeah, yeah. and the American yeah Americans missed out on um in the rapid charge, and are now going through just trying to beat every single team from that rapid charge. It's quite funny to watch. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That that's so revenge. Um, so yeah, apologies. Romania are in it. Um, anyway, so Italy going to play Romania, which is pretty cool. This is what I want to see. Um, and then Scotland are going to play Georgia in three weeks' time. Italy, Italy going to play Japan. Um, but also in three weeks' time, uh, Spain is going to play Argentina, and New Zealand's going to play South Africa at Twickenham. Mm, yeah, that's going to That's apparently going to be a monster crowd there at Twickenham. Like that's going to be, it's a, a, apparently a big money game for both sides. So it's going to be interesting to see how fans get behind that. You can imagine. You can imagine bored about the nerves. <laughs> yeah, when, when you, any of your players injured. In terms of like tough tests before, like two weeks before a World Cup. God, that's 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 a risky game for both sides. I mean, in saying that, we're like we're playing France, so you know we're gonna have a tough test as well. But I think there'll be more of an understanding of, hey, let's just let's treat this as a warm up. I don't think that's yeah. in New Zealand and South African DNA when they play each other. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and also nice to see that uh, Checker is really checkering Argentina because their Argentina fifteen are playing about three games over four weeks. Mate, they look good. They beat Chile over the weekend, um, and then beat. I can't remember they bet the week before, and I think they bet Uruguay or something like that. Like he's he's probably got them set up perfectly. Yeah. Sorry, they beat Namibia. Yeah. They beat Namibia. Ah. Um. But yeah. Uh. Great. So I think that's pretty much all. Um. You can find out all who's playing each other. Go on. Go on. Worldrugby.com and just go through the fixtures and see who's playing. 
Nathan, do you have any idea if he'll be on stand? Um, there's certain games on stand this weekend. So the one, the two main ones are you have England, Wales, and France, Scotland. The other ones, I don't believe they are at this stage. So get out your VPNs and try and find somewhere to watch it because they will be actually <laughs> good games. Yeah, I mean, should yeah. be able to tell you. Yeah, Reddit, um, that or Reddit, one of you, one of you two. Reddit's generally pretty good for that sort of stuff, so. Yeah. Give it a look. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so I think that's probably all from us uh, this week. Thanks for joining, boys. Um, well, we aren't going to play for a couple of weeks now, but um, put your feet up, enjoy your Saturdays. I'll be stress-free for a while. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll probably catch you in about four weeks' time. Yeah, I think that's a really silly question. You know, rugby's a game of 15 players on the, on the field. When we're attacking, we're attacking weak defenders. We're looking for weak defenders. Why would we run at the strongest defenders? So if Martin's there and, and sorry, what's your name? Nick, and Nick's there, we're not going to run to Martin, are we? <laughs> Guys, can you just send my best wishes to Warren? Make sure he enjoys the third and fourth playoff. <laughs>